the Orson Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast daily Tokyo special supported by Toggy. I'm Pippa Room, Horse and Hound's magazine editor, coming to you from Tokyo with my colleague Polly Bryan. Hi Polly. Hi Pippa. So today was cross country day, Olympic cross country day. They only come around once every four or in this case five years. So I was like a kid in a sweetie shop today, <laughs> even though we had to get up at 4am. Yeah, you definitely were very excited in the taxi on the way there. You had uh, a lot of energy for 4am. <laughs> so, yeah, I think my energy on the way there was, uh, it only got better really through the day <laughs> for me and the uh, the British riders and the British team. The headlines, of course, are that Britain had an absolutely fantastic day. All three British riders went clear inside the time around Derek de Grazia's course. Britain is sitting in the team gold, individual gold and individual bronze positions at the end of cross country day. That's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? It is. It's incredible. And I think it would be easy to think that it was that it was easy. And when you watch the Brits mm. going around that course, they did make it look easy. You know, the class of horse and rider that we were fielding, their preparation just made it look like they were jumping a pony club track. To be honest, none of them even gave me a nervous moment, which was a lovely position to be in. But it wasn't <laughs> at all easy, Polly. There were only seven clears inside the time. There were nine horses that made the time. But two of those were penalised for breaking a frangible pin. Mm. We'll talk about one of those a little later. But yeah, it wasn't easy at all. The time was tight and there were a fair number of jumping problems as well. Yeah, it was interesting because Oliver was so early in the day to go. And uh, as you said, he made it look really easy. And there was a part of me that thought, oh, gosh, we're just going to see hundreds of people going going round inside the time clear. But no, not, not the case at all. Yeah, it was like total contrast. So the very first rider out for the Thai team uh, had a fall, unfortunately. Mm. That was Mint Chavatanont. Sorry if I've said your name wrong, Mint, um, and Burley Born Prince. But she had a really unfortunate fall at fence five. The horse just didn't get his landing gear out for the water, um, which was a real shame. Oliver then went out clear inside the time. So we had the two contrasts immediately yeah. as soon as the day kicked off. But, you know, Oliver's horse, his name is so apt. Ballamore Class, he is an absolutely class horse. Um, and we knew from that moment onwards that Britain was definitely going to hold the individual silver at the end of the day, which mm. was a real sort of Philip in our cap to kick things off. And um, yeah, it rolled on from there. Yes, it really did. And actually, it made me a little bit emotional to see Oliver galloping along uh, with the Tokyo skyline in, in the background about a third of the way through the course. There's a really lovely stretch where they, they gallop along a sort of raised grassy area um, with all the skyscrapers looming across the uh, across the bay. And yeah, it was just lovely to see that. Yeah, it was one of the few areas of the course where there was sort of a long stretch where you sort of felt like you were making some ground and getting somewhere different because so much of the course did twist and turn and loop across the same patch of ground. And Oliver said the course was mentally tiring for the horses. You mm -hmm. know, physically his horse wasn't tired, but there were a couple of times when he sort of tried to stop and it wasn't that he was tired in his body, but he thought he'd finished because of the, where he was on the course. And, and he carried on and, and came home easily inside the time. But it was, I think, something for horses to think about. And actually something that the Italian rider Vittoria Panazon picked out in the build-up to cross-country day was that the warm-up area didn't necessarily get the horses ready for cross-country. I actually walked down and had a look at that warm-up area before the action started. It was a very small area. There was a little bit of sort of all-weather dirt and then a grassy area that had maybe four fences in it and a couple of show jumps. And it was the size of the warm-up 
I mean, if I'd been riding around a BE90 and I'd seen that warm up, I'd have thought it was adequate, but not much more. It really wasn't very big to prepare for taking on a sort of a nearly eight minute, minute Olympic track. And it was also, Victoria said it was in a very different area. And when I saw it, I knew exactly what she meant. It was the bottom of a hill. You climbed up through the trees to the start and you felt like you were emerging into a whole different world. So it was quite disorientating for horses, I think. Yeah, gosh, I can imagine. I didn't actually get a chance to go down and look at the warm up, but it's really interesting to hear how different it was I, I also heard Victoria say that the other day and I was sort of wondering what she meant but now now I get it but obviously Oliver was was fabulous and is sitting in the individual gold spot now um, as you said we were also sitting in individual bronze Pippa who was that? So that's Laura Collett with London 52 she was sixth after dressage and has moved up three places with her clear in the time he went brilliantly didn't really falter or put a foot wrong and you know Laura just keeps saying she's always thought he's a he's an incredible horse and she's just sort of relieved that he's proved it now Mm. building on his Poe win at the end of last year we actually caught up with Laura earlier this year to talk about London 52. I think what makes London 52 such a special horse is he's got that extra bit of wow factor he's a really kind and genuine horse he wants to do his best and in the past what's what sort of let him down is is his lack of self-belief and now he's got that I, I think he really is the the finished finished article and hopefully he's only 12 years old and hopefully he's just starting you know the upward trend and and he's got many more years at the top level and the british success continued from there once we got into the third rider rotation tom McEwen, toledo de cursa also a clear inside the time. Tom also, I think, had an element of relief there. He felt that he hadn't maybe pulled off what he wanted to in the dressage yesterday and he was glad he gave the horse the ride that he said he deserved today. He was very comfortable on the time and took a long route at the last water because he knew he could afford to do so. He didn't have any concerns about the horse jumping the straightway, but it was a fence that had caught out a couple of horses through the day and it wasn't a risk he needed to take. Yeah, from where I was um, standing watching the course, and we'll sort of talk a bit about what I was doing a bit later, um, I, I, I managed to see a fair bit of the course, especially the sort of first section and, and, a, and a little bit of the second half as well. And um, I noted that the combination at fence 18, which was known as the, was it the, the, the bumps and sticks or something? I think it was the bumps and stumps. <laughs> bumps and stumps, that's it, that it, it was called. Um, that actually caught a lot of competitors out. There were a lot of runouts there. There was a fall there from um, the lovely Swedish rider Trey Vickland um, with her one-eyed horse Vicera which was a shame but over the course of the day I think there were only two riders who jumped the direct route at that combination and jumped it clear and that was Oliver and Tom and they both jumped it absolutely beautifully and it again didn't make it look difficult Laura jumped around the, the sort of out, outside longer route which isn't that long um, and she took it on on a flying stride and, and really I don't think lost any time at all probably there several other riders had trouble going the long route so it was clearly a very tricky combination yeah, one of the riders said to me that that was a fence where you were risking a run out, a fall or breaking a frangible device. So all the possibilities for things to go yeah. wrong were in play there. And they did all happen. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's just hear from Tom on what makes Toledo a brilliant cross-country horse. Toledo with the cross-country has been absolutely phenomenal. He has now got a good few years. He probably knows what he's doing more than me now. Um, so with the build-up, obviously we've been doing shorts all year this year but um it's been coming quick and fast um a few different styles of, of courses he's been to and really he's just so excitable looking for the next flag so it might be easier in a silly way that there's only one course out there because he's sort of looking to jump everything 
but for me, he's got he's got the experience. He's got the speed. It's just getting him into the right rhythm and sort of leaving the job up to him. But couldn't have chosen a better partner to be going cross country with. So, Pippa, what about the German team? Because they were sitting in the silver medal position yesterday, weren't they? Yep, that's right. This was not a great day for the German team. I was standing with the German press attaché in the mix zone for some of the day and I felt quite sorry for her. She looked a bit like I looked in Rio on cross-country day, actually. So Julia Krajewski got them off to a brilliant start. She had a cracking round with the lovely mare, Amanda Beneville, and was quite emotional in the mix zone afterwards. You know, she sort of gave us the standard patter about the course and then I said to her, this means, you know, what does it mean to you to finally get this good result at a championship? Because Julia's history is that although she's had a lot of success, it's never really come together for her at a championship. It's been tough. And, you know, she was quite emotional talking about that. She also mentioned she'd lost her father over the winter. And she said, you know, she started to say he would have been so proud today. And then she said, well, I hope he still is proud. I feel a bit emotional myself talking about it now. But yeah, it was lovely to see that for Julia. She Mm. holds the individual silver position. That is the bright spot for Germany. Mm. The downside for Germany was that their second rider, Sandra Alforth, had a run out jumping out of the water at fence nine. She didn't quite have the right line jumping up the step, um, took the three strides and Viermont Dumas just nipped out to the left hand side. They then went to the third rider, Michael Young, and he had what looked to be a lovely round, but he did break a frangible device. He said that the horse didn't hit a fence hard or anything like that, but he was penalised and although he said he was going to be looking at whether he could appeal that when he spoke to us the final results are out in pdf form so i believe that is sort of a final result and that won't change things so the german team dropped right down the order and are now sitting sixth and michael was leading overnight wasn't he pippa so where is he now about 10th Yep, that's right. He was the individual gold medalist after dressage as such. And yes, he has dropped down to exactly 10th. Yep. Gosh, such a shame for them. But stepping into the breach there, the Australians have come shooting up the order. Mm. So now sitting in Team Silver, having come up from sixth after dressage. That's impressive. They had great rounds, didn't they, Pippa? They did, yeah. Three clears. Good good result inside the time for Shane Rose and Virgil and Andrew Hoy and Vasily Lassos. Um, just 2.8 time votes for Kevin McNabb, who has had a real roller coaster and is actually, we've had his horse Donkey Dam as our horse of the day today. He started out as a non-travelling reserve and has ended up as a team member. Also a rider who's waited a long time to make a championship debut and, um, you know, like so many Australian riders, travelled across the world to, to make a career in Britain. So pleased to see him getting into that team. And yeah, the Australians in a really strong position there. Andrew Hoy and Shane both in the top 10 individually and within a shout of the individual medals with two show jumping rounds to come tomorrow. And who's in the bronze position at the moment? France have come up from ninth into the team wow. bronze. Yeah, good good move for them. Again, three clears. Um, Christopher Six and Totem de Bracy, Nicolas Touzat and Absolute Gold both had a handful of time penalties. Nicholas was one second over. Christopher, four or five. Karen Florent Lagoag went clear inside the time on Triton Fontaine. So, yep, they're up there now um, and, and holding the team bronze ahead of New Zealand. Oh, gosh, it was so exciting, especially when teams do start shifting around on the leaderboard. Obviously, we didn't want to see Britain shift around on the leaderboard and uh, that didn't happen, which was fantastic. Pippa, it was it was hot today. It was really warm. Um, I think it peaked at about 33 degrees while the sort of third rotation of competitors were in action. How did the horses cope with the heat? 
Yeah, it was hot. When I woke up this morning and I had a quick look at the at the forecast and I could it was just clear skies and massive suns and to be honest I don't really feel like we've had that since we've been here in Japan. It has been hot, it has been humid, but not... It's been quite not, cloudy, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, we've had days that are overcast. We've had days when there's been a bit of rain, although mm. it's always been in the high 20s. At I've been the, thrilled about the rain. At the coolest. <laughs> but yeah, I sort of looked out and the window and picked up my phone and looked at the forecast and I was like, gosh, this is almost feels like we've got the worst possible weather for cross-country today. Although Michael Young said it was worst at the test event, I have to say. Oh, right, that's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, but it was very, very hot. Mm. Um, in general, I think horses coped really well. There was a difference between sort of the first team rider rotation and the second and third. There were definitely more horses getting a little tired in those later rotations. And I know that some teams have been strategic about who they put first according to horse type. It definitely got hotter. But we saw horses that were, you know, blood horses, fit horses, well-prepared, well-trained, well-ridden horses that were given a smooth and comfortable ride. And you should never underestimate that. It's not just about fitness, but about the type of ride they have coming home well looking well I would say that Tom McEwen could have come home 20 or 30 seconds inside the time if he wanted to obviously that wouldn't have been good horsemanship and he didn't do that but um, you know certainly his horse had no problem with the heat in the latter part of the day there were some horses that came home tired Jesse Campbell of New Zealand did a really good job to nurse his horse dear cello home for the New Zealand team finished with 14.4 time faults but it was good horsemanship to see Jesse bring that horse home and keep him jumping. He said he got to five minutes and the horse was just empty, basically. So yeah, there were horses that got tired, but in general, I think the horses did well. We did have one really sad bit of news at the end of the day today, unrelated to the heat, which was that the Swiss horse jet set, ridden by Robin Godel, had to be put down after pulling up extremely lame on the course. So that was a sad bit of, of horse news, unrelated really to the conditions. And of course, our condolences to the connections of that horse. Polly, what were you doing today? Well, I actually had quite a nice morning, although I certainly was feeling tired to having uh, got up so early. So I was out on the course at Fence 3, operating our photographer Peter Nixon's remote camera that he had set up to take photos of that fence. I was a little bit nervous, actually. I haven't done that before, and I felt quite a lot of responsibility trying to uh, make this camera uh, take photos. I'm not I'm not a particularly technical person. I prefer to write words than, than take pictures. But it was all very simple. I just had a button to press, and I just had to sort of you know time it time it right to, to to press it as the horse took off and hold it until the horse landed um I think Peter said I did a good job didn't he he did and we did use <laughs> some of your pictures already with some of our web stories yeah it was really exciting to see that actually the camera was sort of it was on the floor under the fence um pointing up at the the fence which it was called the chopsticks fence and I loved it because it had great big wooden pieces of sushi along the front um and large chopsticks sort of at the side of the wings and it was um it was a large oxa uh fence three so early on in the course um it rode really nicely nobody had a problem at it some horses took it perhaps a, li- a little bit more smoothly than others but ev- everyone jumped it well which was lovely to see and yeah it produced some cracking shots from low down sort of looking up at the horses which um i enjoyed seeing afterwards and it was a good point on the course actually as pippa mentioned the course was quite twisty it was a lot of going backwards and forwards across the same sort of area of land and that meant that i could see quite a few other fences from where I was standing and I could see as we mentioned the combination of fence 18 I could see a couple of other combinations I could see horses coming down um I think it might have been fence 7 the the 20 Tokyo 2020 log coming down from after their big galloping section and then I could see them heading back up again 
as I as I mentioned across the Tokyo skyline and it was it was really really lovely um kept me on my toes the horses were started at, I think three minute intervals weren't they Pippa so uh it was I uh, definitely had to pay attention but um no all in all good good morning well, I think Polly did well because the only time I've ever operated Peter's remote, I got so carried away watching the horses that I only remember to press the button about one time in two. <laughs> so well done, Polly. We'll be back in a moment to talk about tomorrow. The Horse and Hound Podcast Daily Tokyo Special is supported by Toggy. Shop the sport, outdoor and British equestrian Team GBR collection at toggy.com. Technical, tested, trusted, Toggy. So, Pippa, we all know that uh, we have the show jumping to look forward to tomorrow, but what else is going on? So, first of all, we have the horse inspection and... The aficionados of the sport will know that this is essentially another phase in itself. It's at 9.30 in the morning Tokyo time, 1.30 a.m. British time, if anyone's really keen. I don't think you can watch it, um, but you can wait for my report. But yeah, so all the horses will be trotted up again in front of the grand jury. Um, Interesting point here, of course, being that um, with the format of this competition, even some of those horses who we sort of think were eliminated and retired today will be able to trot up. For example, they can trot up if they were just pulled up or if they had run outs or if there was a rider fall and they can trot up and show jump if they were eliminated for a horse fall they can't whereas of course in the traditional sport any of those reasons for leaving the competition would mean that you have genuinely left the competition so that's an interesting one we'll have more horses trotting up than one might expect on a first glance at the results sheet that's really interesting yeah um, and it'll be interesting to see how that pans out in terms of teams that might make substitutions Mm. um, and remembering all those rules about when you can and can't make substitutions which I'm not going to get into but if you uh, you want to get into you could have a quick listen back to the eventing section of our weekly podcast from the 22nd of July where we went into this in some detail or google olympic substitutions eventing and you'll get to the horse and hand piece I wrote about it pretty quick but yeah we'll see some maybe action with alternates coming in and we'll see the horse inspection it will be a nerve-wracking time particularly with three to a team you know you'd have to say that the horse inspection is almost the moment that might be the biggest barrier to a British team gold at this point um obviously got everything crossed that nothing happens that the horses all come out of today well but yeah I'll definitely be on tenter hooks and hopefully as you said that will go well um once we actually do get to the show jumping there's two rounds and uh they both they're they're both separate aren't they Pippa yep there are two rounds so the first round is for the team medals although individuals will have to jump in it as well because the scores are carried on through to the individual medals as well or the individual results so first round for team medals after that round we will know who is taking those home The second round is only for the individual medals and the individual standings and only the top 25 go through to the second round, which is for those individual positions. Gosh, it's so exciting to think what a great position our riders are in now and to sort of look ahead and and obviously hope that they can um, maintain their super form tomorrow. Um, I sort of, I'm getting excited, but I don't want to get too excited too soon. As we've mentioned, there is, uh, there's there's plenty that could still uh, not go our way. But just thinking about the concept of, of Britain winning, winning an Olympic gold, 
Pepper, when was the last time that happened? So Britain's last Olympic gold was Leslie Lord's individual medal in 2004 in Athens with Sheer Low. But the last team gold was actually in 1972 in Munich. So it's a really long time ago. The team on that occasion were the horse and hound columnist Mark Phillips riding Great Ovation, Bridget Parker with Cornish Gold, Richard Mead with Lauriston, that pair also won the individual gold, and Mary Gordon Watson with the lovely Cornishman, Worth noting that that horse was in the team that won gold four years before in Mexico as well, actually ridden by Richard Mead on that occasion. So yeah, it's it's nearly 50 years since Britain won an Olympic team gold in eventing. So this would definitely be history in the making. Oh my gosh, it really, really would. And our guys, they're pretty good at show jumping, right? Yes, none of them really wanted to be drawn on their horses' show jumping records today, which is fair enough. No one wants to count their chickens before the hatch. They mm. were all very much saying we'll enjoy the moment today but they do all have good records in the show jumping they are all good jumpers and that was certainly in the selectors minds coming here with two rounds of show jumping and we did speak to laura a few weeks ago about what london 52 is like in that phase london 52 is an amazing show jumping horse um he started his career as a show jumper in germany and uh, so yeah when, when it comes to the last day there's not there's not really many horses that i'd want to swap him with Oh gosh, it's great to hear that. That does that does give me a little bit of confidence for uh, for our chances of of retaining that gold. Pippa, how how far ahead are we? What do we have in hand at the moment? So we are more than seventeen penalties ahead of the Australians. So it's quite a considerable margin. Um, you know, four fences down, a couple of seconds over the time, or you know, a few fences and more seconds. But yeah, there is a decent margin there. It gets very tight behind that. So from Australia to France, there is less than a penalty. Um, And New Zealand and the US and Germany are all hovering not that far behind. You know, there is less than 20 penalties from Australia in second through to Germany in sixth. So I think those six teams, including Britain, are all definitely still in the mix for the team medals. I wouldn't write any of them off. Oh, that's really interesting. What an exciting evening it's going to be tomorrow. Yep, it really is. Yeah, we'll be we'll be watching it all or watching it with our hands over our eyes maybe <laughs> at some points. But um, talking to the riders, finding out how they feel, it's going to be a very tense and fast-moving day. Polly, to round off for our Life in Tokyo segment, we're going to talk about what we've been eating again. We're always doing it, aren't we? <laughs> well... We've been eating quite a lot of good things. And uh, today was, was another another new one that we can uh, tick off on our list of cool things we've eaten in Japan. Yeah, so we were all sitting in the, the main venue media centre up at Sea Forest at the Cross Country after doing our jobs. I've been standing in the mix zone. Peter had been out photographing on the course, our photographer, and Polly had been operating Peter's remote. All quite warm, all uh, battering away at our various bits of work on our laptop. Very warm. And suddenly Peter appears with these three massive bowls of what's called, I think, a shaved ice treat. Yeah, shaved ice. It's quite, it is quite a thing in Japan and and and, and probably other other hot countries as well. Um, and it is simply that it is it is ice that you know almost like grated ice with essentially a sort of sugary syrup in different colors over it and uh, and this one came with well one a dollop of ice cream which we all agreed really just took it into another dimension um but also was it candied potato I did, it came with what looked like chips on top of it, which I have to say made the me a little ones. suspicious to start with. Um, but yeah, it was like 
maybe candied yams oh, or something. Delicious. It really worked. I still don't really know what it was, but it was it was very welcome. And kudos to Peter for arriving at precisely the right moments to deliver us uh, what we didn't realise we needed at that moment. Absolutely, that is definitely the case. Well, thank you, Polly. It's been great to chat about today and having felt a bit tired in the taxi on the way home, I now feel re-energised and ready to get down to writing 3,000 words for the magazine about it. Oh, well, Pippa, at least at least you're starting in the daylight. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, but ladies and gentlemen, this is our second day in the row of recording the podcast in the daylight. Tomorrow we'll be back to the late night shift after that show jumping session. But thank you for listening to the Horse and Hound podcast daily Tokyo special supported by Toggy. 